Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down, end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness. Radio Nation Radio 920, my man DeMond Cotton in the home studio, the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, your boy Q, still at the house in the home studio as I was out at the OTAs today for the Raiders out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and that ran very long. So uh, here I am still at the home studio, but a fantastic day and uh, had a great action-packed first hour of the show, and now we're kicking off hour number two with A.J. Perez, senior reporter from Front Office Sports. He's on our Raider Nation listening line right now. And, A.J., thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I definitely appreciate you, and you were here in Las Vegas. You were in the courtroom yesterday when John Gruden and, and the NFL was there represented. Uh, they were going obviously going up against each other. Uh, John Gruden has the lawsuit going up against the, the NFL, and uh, he came away with a, a, a minor victory, which could be looked at as a major victory. Um, what were your thoughts about just what you were seeing the proceedings that were going on in the courtroom on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, it was a quick, you know, we didn't know if the judge was going to rule immediately. Um, she ruled pretty quickly. It was a, a hearing lasted about 90 minutes, maybe a little less than that. And, you know, first, first he won the motion to compel uh, or the denial of the motion to compel. So the arbitration, which, which nobody, um, the public doesn't want and, uh, and us reporters don't want because arbitration is totally secret. And if it was, and if, you know, I, for any kind of conduct detrimental, it, you know, that a lot of this falls under arbitration. That could be a player, a coach, you know, that's usually covered by arbitration. But the fact that he was sent the emails before he was, while, while he was at ESPN and before he was the Raiders coach, and that, and then he was uh, terminated, um, uh, or not terminated, he was forced out. You know, right. he didn't get fired. He was forced out un, un, under pressure. So the judge said that, that the arbitration rules under Nevada law don't apply, you know, so they... So they won that one. Then a few minutes later, um, the uh, the same judge ruled that the case would not be dismissed. Um, at this point, you know, it, it could summary judgment many months away. There could be um, there likely be another motion. The NFL is going to deny is going to appeal the uh, the decision to force arbitration. So it's it's going to be a long running legal case. But those are two big wins for him yesterday. Did any of that surprise you? Were you surprised that he was able to pull off those two victories? No, because I, I've been talking to some experts who, who were pretty well versed on Nevada law, and um, and there was uh, I thought there was a there, there was always a chance that the NFL would have won out initially, but a lot of the times in these first kind of hearings, when the, these, these first major hearings, the judge will let the case proceed. Um, you know, we're going to get to this, we may get to discovery, you know, the, after the NFL's appeal is exhausted uh, on a decision there, and if uh, and if the case continues at that point, it's kicked back down to. Uh, the uh, eighth circuit there in uh, Clark County, and then um, and then we'll go towards discovery, but that could still take. We, we could still be eight, ten months away from that. Still talking right now with AJ Perez, senior reporter for Front Office Sports on Twitter at by AJ Perez here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. As far as what everyone wants to see, everyone thinks, including myself, that depending on how long this trial can go on, if it in, in fact does get to trial, maybe at some point we'll see something like the rest of the emails that are out there. Is there a chance that that could happen? And if so, is that 
also part of this super long process. Yes, it is. And the NFL, through I've covered these cases going back uh, several years, uh, including the St. Louis lawsuit that was uh, settled uh, among the NFL and over the Rams, who, the Rams moved to L.A. Um, they want to keep everything under seal. So even though there is discovery, you know, it's likely they're gonna the NFL is gonna 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 fight to keep all the documents in this, that that are exchanged, including possibly all those emails that were uh, that were scooped up during the uh, commander's investigation. Um, you know, out of the public eye. So, and then, you know, that's going to be, uh, it's going to be, you know, the, the judge, judges usually kind of lean towards, um, keeping that stuff private if it's something that's, uh, you know, sensitive as far as, uh, or trade secrets and stuff like that. So that's going to be the next thing. If, if, if it does proceed, will, will the public get to see it? And over the last several years of some of these cases, we haven't been able to. You know, one of the questions that I always had, and I know Raider Nation's always had, not ever trying to, you know, say that what Gruden did or said or wrote was okay because it wasn't, but I always wondered why his emails were the only ones that were talked about and why they were the only ones brought to light. When we all know 650,000-something emails, there was a lot more dirt in there. What would be the, the main reason, in your opinion, why his was the only ones that were really exposed? Well, if you go by his uh, it, by his attorney and uh, I guess Gruden and, uh, as um, as well as there, he thought the the first email leak was the Wall Street Journal. That was the Demora Smith one, which was used a racial trope, which was awful. Right. Mark Davis didn't fire him. Um, three days later, a bunch of worse emails came out than the New York Times, and he was forced to resign. Um, that's the the whole you know the people I've talked to around Gruden and in the court filings and even in court yesterday that. That's what the that's what the uh, that's what that's what they contend. The NFL wanted Gruden out. Don't know why exactly, but and 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 leaked those emails. NFL has long denied that they were the source. Dan Snyder's people to me has denied they're the source. So Dan Snyder and NFL have been the two, uh, you know, the two entities, I guess, uh, or Gruden, Goodell, and Snyder, whoever you you want to, <laughs> right? Everyone want to go. It's like those were like you know handicapping. That's who. That's who authorize the lease so that's the two people that we know had them yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because that leads into my next question about how Groot, the NFL, they released their statement and it said that neither the NFL nor Roger Goodell released these emails. And I know it's not the NFL, it's not their job to prove, well, maybe who did do it. But in the case, the commander said that it was no one on their side. Would John Gruden still have a case if it was someone that maybe worked for their play or for the commanders, in, in just in case if it wasn't someone Goodell or worked in the NFL office, does this case still stand? Yeah, I think I think there there are, there are some elements of the case that you know that that will go forward. I think that there's a you know if if think if this survives uh, the appeal and it gets a discovery and it does turn out that the NFL somehow or through through in through somebody else would be outside the NFL maybe an outside attorney who works with the NFL. You know, kind of did this. That you know, that would be huge. And I think this is going to. A lot of people are talking settlement. I don't think Gruden. From watching him yesterday and talking to him briefly yesterday, I don't think he's going to settle. He got he got a decent settlement out of the Raiders, um, so he's not hurting for money. Um, granted, his career's you know kind of put on hold, if not totally derailed uh, for many years, if not ever, by those emails. Right. Um, but I, I think he wants to. Yeah, he, he he believes the the league had it out for him, and he. And he wants to go take him taking a settlement, unless it's like a ton of money. I don't see him settling um, if uh, 
if, if, if it gets to that point and the NFL looks like they're going to be headed to trial. Talking right now with A.J. Perez, senior reporter from Front Office Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920. I, was, I wanted to ask you that, you know, how dangerous is a guy that's got plenty of money and nothing to do? Because that's who John Gruden is right now. I mean, he literally has nothing to do. And like you said, his career is, I'm sure, shot. I'm sure he's not going to have any kind of career uh, after everything that's gone down and everything that has been exposed. This could be, in my opinion, kind of potentially dangerous for the NFL because he does that. He has plenty of money and has really nothing but time and opportunity on his hands. Exactly. And uh, you, you, got, you got Brian Flores, the, the, the lawsuit there uh, in federal court, you know, he's right. still working in the NFL. There's no, there's very little chance, tiny, minuscule chance that Gruden will ever work in the NFL again. So you're right. He has, he has, uh, he has a lot to. Uh, I'm not saying he's bitter, but he has a lot to. Uh, you know, he he can stand and fight and uh, not worry about the consequences. Yeah, with John Gruden, the NFL they obviously lost this round, but they said we will file an appeal. Do we know how long that process would take for them to be able to get back in court again? Um, it'll probably at least a couple months. Uh, I, they're going to have to file to the state appeals court. I got to research exactly. I've, I've heard a couple things, but uh, it, that process normally takes a few months. Um, they'll 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 be a filing to the to the appeal court, and then they're going to schedule it. They'll schedule the first hearing, and they'll then they'll be exchanging filings back and forth um, for for enough, probably another couple months after that, and then uh, fi- and then they'll 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 be. They'd, the judges will rule. Uh, the appeals court will, will rule whether um, the judge yesterday erred by not uh, turning this into an arbitration case. AJ, before we let you go, I wanted to ask, you mentioned Brian Flores and what he's got going on in the lawsuit. How does that lawsuit help John Gruden in this as well? Well, that, that lawsuit's actually kind of a, a little, it, it isn't this as far along as Gruden's was. Um, I think we're uh, you know, it's, it's a very different case. Federal court, it's they're it's, it's uh, seeking seeking um, seeking uh, class action status since there'll be more. There's 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 more than just Brian Flores who are the plaintiffs. Right. So that's it's 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 a little different. Um, and those cases can take a while too. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's going to be uh, between that and we get we still have the commander's investigation. So there's a lot of stuff going <laughs> on. The NFL has to uh, has to. Uh, you know, I would say I would say worry, but I'm sure there's a little bit of concern. Yeah, no, there's a lot going on. There sure is. I mean, we know that there's plenty of stuff going on. There will be plenty of stuff going on on the field, but the NFL's got their hands full off the field right now with all these different court cases. Well, uh, AJ, thank you so much, man. Great stuff. I know you do a great job at front office sports. Uh, you got anything coming out that we need to be on the lookout for? No, I'm kind of on vacation the next couple of days. I'm going to go see my parents uh, in <laughs> San Jose. So, uh, but uh, th- thanks for having me on, Q. I think, uh, uh, yeah, but follow me. Subscribe to our newsletter, um, and that's uh, free. Uh, FrontOfficeSports.com, and uh, yeah, well, I'll be—I'm—I I cover this ownership stuff pretty closely. So nice, I love it. Well, we'll definitely be reaching out. Thank you so much for your time, AJ. Appreciate you. Enjoy the 408, my man. <laughs> Thanks a lot. All right, there he goes, AJ Perez, senior reporter, front office sports at by AJ Perez on Twitter, and he's heading out to San Jose. Shout out to Heidi Fang in San Jose, and and Big Jose in San Jose, who always calls into the show, and Glenn from San Jose, man. Shout out to uh, the 408. I'm a big fan of the 408. So uh, many thanks to AJ right there. And yeah, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of uh, lawsuits going on against the NFL. There's a lot of court cases going on with the NFL. Uh, they're still investigating the Commanders, which Demond, I don't think that that's ever going to end. That feels like that's just going to drag on forever. And I don't know how uh, everyone became or how Daniel Snyder became the Teflon Don, and he's like. Un- 
untouchable. Oh no, they're about to get him because they they thinking he's stealing money from the other owners. Yeah, that's gonna be the downfall right there. Until if they get him for anything, that, until that's I see it, I don't believe it. He feels like he is untouchable. But you're right. If it comes down to to stealing money from the other owners or keeping money from the other owners, that is gonna be the downfall right there. But they got that going on. Of course, they got John Gruden's lawsuit going on. Brian Flores, as you heard AJ talk about, has his own stuff going on. And then you know there's a potential investigation on the Raiders still. I mean, let's not make no mistake about it. There's still a potential investigation. We don't know how that situation is going to shake out. I'm not going to come to the station and update a story that doesn't have any updates <laughs> at all. I'm not going to do that every single day. It's just not my, my, my thing. It's not my bag. It's not my agenda. But if there's an update, we'll definitely bring it to the table. So many thanks to AJ for joining us there in the segment. 314 is the time. We'll come back. We'll hear from you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. That's the Raider Nation listener line. Also, the Sam and Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. What do you believe that the Raiders' 2022 identity will be or could be or should be? Hit us up. Let us know about that. Plus, we'll also hear some more sound bites from OTAs earlier today. We heard from head coach Josh McDaniels. We heard from uh, left tackle Colton Miller, Denzel Perryman, the linebacker, and, of course, defensive end Mad Max Crosby. We'll get to more of that as we come back. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's why Q, of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Well, the Raiders were doing just that earlier today. The Raiders were out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, OTAs, day three for this round. A lot of players in attendance. I didn't go through and count all the players, but there was a lot of players in attendance. You saw the leaders of the squad out there. You saw the Devontae Adams, the Darren Wallers, the Hunter Renfros, the Josh Jacobs. You saw those guys, Derek Carr. You saw those big-time players for them. You saw Alex Leatherwood. You saw Colton Miller. You know, Denzel Good. He wasn't practicing, but he was doing work off to the side, so uh, you can see he's he's on the grind. He's headed back. So uh, there's a there's a lot to like about just being out there and being able to see what they were doing and just seeing them get back to some kind of football activities. Denzel Perryman, another guy we we heard from earlier today, Mad Max Crosby, they were all there in attendance. It's important to have your leadership out there in times like this. If your best players are out there, guess what? That means the the last guy on the roster feels like, well, you know what? If Max Crosby, who just got a fat contract extension, if he's out there in May when it's 95 degrees, I better have my tail out there in May when it's 95 degrees. I mean, if, you're, if your leadership is strong, if your leaders on your team are strong, then they're going to the, – that should – it should. It doesn't always work this way, but it should trickle down. It should be, okay, let me just learn from example. Let me see what's going on. Again, that doesn't always work, but it should. If you see Devontae Adams out there knowing he's got the contract extension that he got, you know, if he wasn't there, I don't think anyone would say, well, where's Devontae at? No, they wouldn't. But since he is there, they say, where's Devontae at? Oh, he's at practice. So am I. I'm headed there as well. So that's, that's very important. And it was, like I said, it was really good to be out there. We talked about earlier in the, in the show that players were, were running laps. There was mistakes being made, and they were running laps. And so Josh McDaniels was asked about that in his very long media session earlier today. And here's what he had to say about, you know, the players holding themselves accountable and running laps. I would say they were probably as just as um... – 
responsible for that and wanting to do that because they weren't it wasn't wasn't a good period you know and um, they they know that I'm not going to be out there cracking a whip on that I mean you know if it's not if it's not we're not doing the right things in a football game there's going to be some consequences and usually they're negative um, and so I think they understand the whole the concept of that we don't play well we don't practice well you know ultimately that's going to lead to bad results so um, we're having a very good period is very sloppy lack of communication lack some detail um, and so, you know, just, you know, try to get it back and thought they, they rallied a little bit as practice went on, um, did a better job of communicating and kind of, you know, righted themselves uh, offensively. And, you know, and sometimes that stuff can happen. And so not trying to get anyone to hit the panic button and get worried and say, oh, man, it was sloppy. Oh, man, I heard Josh McDaniel say it wasn't a very good period. It is May 26th. It's not supposed to be a very good period. You know, I mean, if, if he went into that and said, oh, everything's looking good, then there's a problem. So that's what you want. You want them to make mistakes in May. You want them to make mistakes in June. Hell, you want them to make mistakes in August. Come September, you don't want. I'll say this. Uh, I know Alex Leatherwood. I've been very hard on him. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to wait and see before I pass judgment on if he could be the right tackle or if he needs to kick inside the guard. I've been very adamant that I think guard is his position. But since they're giving him an opportunity at right tackle like we saw today, that's fine. That's fine. They're the coaches, not me. I just gave my opinion. So if he goes out there and he earns that, that right tackle position, great. But one of the major things, one of the major sticking points for me from what I saw from Alex Leatherwood his rookie year was what? Penalties. What did I see from Alex Leatherwood today? Not a lot, but I saw a penalty. I saw a false start. How many times did we see fourth and one, third and one, Mariota package, Raiders driving, Trying to get to the end zone, not kick a field goal. Oh, false start. Back him up five yards. Field goal attempt. How many times did you see that? Again, that's okay to do that right now. Hopefully, they're working that out. So those those little minor issues. And look, penalties are going to happen. Everyone's going to get a penalty here, a penalty there. Not, you know, the guy don't have to be 100%. But those are, the, those are the kinks. Those are the problems. Those are the issues that popped up at the wrong time a season ago. That's what they've got to get away from. That's on being disciplined. That's being what, – what, what did our texters say? High IQ team. The high IQ team doesn't have a false start on fourth and one because it's too critical. It's too important. You've got to get that first down. You've got to give yourself at least an opportunity to get that first down, right? So that's the kind of stuff that they're working on and they have to continue to work on, and the players have to be aware of that. And that's something that I do think – that they're working on, I think that they're going to. But, again, it's, it's good to see, you know, consequences and repercussions in May so these guys are aware of it at least. So that's, that's for me. That was, that was one of the things that stood out to me. And it's not a good thing that you see a penalty, but it is a good thing when penalties happen, sloppiness happens, and you see some kind of repercussions. Because I don't know about you, but when I do something and it's not right and there's repercussions, I usually remember it. <laughs> I, I usually remember it where it's like, hey, I ain't going to do that again. You know, that, I tell my mom all the time, she thanks me for being a good kid and staying out of trouble. And I said, yeah, well, do you know who I had to go home to if, if I got in trouble? I had to go home to you. <laughs> and there was consequences and repercussions. You know, you, you know the, the kid that goes and does whatever they want to do? Nine times out of ten, you know why they do that? Because they don't have consequences and repercussions to worry about. I did. I had no problem being like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of my mom. <laughs> I'm scared. I don't have any problem saying that, but kept me out of trouble. Consequences and repercussions, it's not, it's not a bad thing.
Yeah, Q, when you, when you mentioned the laps and we played that clip, was it a certain position group? Because I don't remember if he said it or not, or was it the whole team? No, it was certain position groups, uh, offensive linemen. I mean, it was just, you know, and uh, that's just what it is, you know, and, and they're out there and they're doing that. And, and again, to see them and, and, you know, to hear Josh McDaniel's example, or not example, but his answer to that is, oh, they kind of really did that on their own. That means obviously there's been conversations about that, and that's something that they need to, they need to do. There was a time, I don't remember exactly the year, but it was early in, in Gruden's tenure as the as the head coach the very first time of the Raiders and I remember whenever they did something at practice that was really bad I want to say that they had some kind of a like a jar <laughs> where they were put where they put money into the jar you know for them really messing up or you know they, they had there was there was consequences and repercussions I mean like what we've been talking about there was things that they had to do and I forget I hate that I forget exactly what it was that they did but it was something whenever they did this wrong that Something happened. Something bad happened. And again, it's very vague to me because it was, you know, what ninety nine, ninety eight, whatever, whatever year it was. So I don't remember exactly what it was. But he had something that he did, and I remember thinking, oh, that's great. That's a great idea. And then all of a sudden, it's like it's. I don't know if it became something they couldn't do anymore because of the CBA or what. But all of a sudden, it just went away. That's funny you mentioned that. I remember one of the very first shows that Vinny did when Lincoln. Vinny said, "Steeler Nation." And Lincoln pounds his cup on the table wow. and is like, that's a dollar in the jar. Right, right. Vinny said that. Shame on Vinny. <laughs> Shame on Vinny. Unbelievable. He should know uh, as well as anybody that there's no such thing as Steeler Nation. That doesn't exist. But, uh, yeah, that's funny that, that Lincoln said that. You know, that's a, that's a dollar in the jar. Because I'll tell you, man, and I, gosh, I hate that I don't remember exactly what it was. Someone like Fabian, shout out to my man Fabian in the 408 as well. Someone like Fabian would remember, or just Win Wendy, she'd remember. It's just, uh, you know, because I know that those guys are all super locked in. And I, man, God, I hate that I can't remember exactly what it was. But I'll, I'll come up with it at some point. I'll pass that along exactly what it was that Gruden was either finding these guys for or something like that. I can't, it was some kind of penalty that he was giving them when they did a certain, it was a certain thing, and it was one of those things that the Raiders did all the time. It was some kind of penalty that they got. I don't know if it was offsides, false start, whatever it was, but it was some kind of, uh, you know, like a pre-snap penalty that is a, just a self-inflicted wound. It had nothing to do with the players across from you. It's just something that you did. So it was either offsides, it was either false start. It was one of those. It was in that category. But, uh, yeah, he, he was always doing something. So uh, for, the, for the players to go and, and run a lap, take a lap or take a couple laps, fine. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, uh, I learned real quick in school. I forget we were, doing, we were in PE one time. And we were talking trash, and, of course, I was talking mad trash. And a couple times, the you know, the PE teacher was like, all right, Myers, quiet down. And I was like, yeah, all right. But I just kept yapping, kept yapping, shocking, right? Kept on talking, kept on talking. He's like, all right, Myers, quiet down. I was like, all right, all right. Then he said it again. He's like, Myers, take a lap. And I looked at him, and, man, I was like, huh? And he's like, yeah, take a lap. And I'll tell you, brother, that was a long lap. So <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when my man told me to be quiet again, I was quiet. <laughs> I was like, oh, this dude's serious. Like, I thought, I thought this was all in the spirit of the game. No, nah, no. Nah, did nah, you just nah. eat the punishment and do the lap of me? Yeah. Or did you, you try to protest? No, no, because you protest, that's still talking. And then all of a sudden, that's when the lap goes to two laps or two lap turns to four laps. Like, hey, look, man, I wasn't the smartest dude in the world, but I also wasn't no dummy. 
I learned pretty quick, you know, like, hey, this is going to fly and this ain't going to fly. So there's certain things I like to push the boundaries every once in a while. But, man, it didn't take long for me to learn the climate and who I was dealing with. You know what I mean? Like, I learned pretty fast what I could do and what I couldn't do. Well, as you can tell from me, I'm the kid who would have got two laps. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I try to give you laps all the time. You need laps. You do. You need laps. I would tell you to do push-ups, but you like that. So you like push-ups. But, yeah, I, I try to I, – man, if anybody had any idea how much I try to make DeMond do laps because, man, this guy – he be getting me sometimes. He be running me hot. I'm like, man. But see what happened was. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that That's that millennial answer. What had happened was, nah, man, I don't care about what had happened was. I care about the real deal. And I, I try to make DeMond do push-ups, but that's like right up his alley. He's like, yeah, let's give me some more. Give me some more. He's, he's, he's a weirdo like that, you know. But I'm going to get That's all right. That's all right. The summer's coming, brother. We're going to get you a track outside, right outside the radio station. It's going to be DeMond's track. Every time he messes up, we're going to have to send him to the track. I'm going to have to train someone else on the boards. Like, hey, man, DeMond's running laps. Can you, uh, can you come in and hit a couple buttons? He'll be back. Don't worry. You mentioned the CBA. I don't think, that, I don't think that's part of that. Uh, well, good thing is we don't have a CBA. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a whole lot of anything. No, we do. We do. We have some structure. We're just trying to, we're just trying to make it work. I did want you to hear one more soundbite from uh, Coach Josh McDaniels, and, and I mentioned it earlier in Adam Hill. We had him on in the, in the first hour talking about uh, Jarrett Stidham. I asked him the question about Stidham, and Adam Hill was like, man, I was going to ask him that question. It's funny because we were out there right there uh, at the practice facility, and we were both talking about Stidham together. So for him to get ready to ask Josh a, a question about Jarrett is not surprising to me because we were both you know, having that conversation about him. But I asked him straight up about the familiarity with the system and how much does that help, not just – with Stidham's understanding of what's going on, but the rest of the quarterbacks in that room. Anytime you change teams and go somewhere where you're familiar with that, you can kind of skip a step or two. And, and Jarrett is now coming into a place where he knows the terminology, which is a good thing. Um, it doesn't mean that the performance is always going to be exactly what it needs to be, but um, it gives you a little bit of a leg up in terms of how quickly you can get to a point. Uh, where you can function and do all those things. Um, I think Jarrett's done a tremendous job, too, of sharing, um, and that's always a big thing. He's very unselfish. Uh, he's a great human being, and he's a great teammate. So um, coming here and being, you know, giving with his time, whether it's Nick or Chase or Derek, you know, just having open conversations with those guys because he's actually been through this process with the same person, you know, who's, who's kind of pushing him in that direction now. So um, he's got a familiarity with Bo and Mick, myself, Carmen. Um, he's heard some of the terminology. He's been in some of those meetings. He's heard the corrections. So um, he's been great, you know, in terms of just being able to, to share information and try to improve the whole group. So there's Josh McDaniels, head coach of the Raiders, talking about Jared Stidham, the, the young man that they traded with the Patriots to, to bring in. You know, and I, I do think that that's important. I think he has a role on this team. I don't know if he's going to eventually be the heir apparent. I, I don't know that. I'm not trying to throw that out there. I know Adam Hill had mentioned, you know, maybe at some point they coach him up to the point where he's you know, takes over for Derek Carr at some point. Or maybe he's just a really good backup. Or maybe he just helps these guys le learn the system. I don't know. I just know that he's got to be able to provide something and some kind of help knowing the system and working with Josh McDaniels since he's been in the league. I mean, that's the only offensive coordinator he's had. You think Derek Carr wouldn't have loved that to have the same offensive coordinator his whole career? I mean, that's all Jared Stidham's had. So I do think he provides something that brings it. And look, he's still a young dude. And if he can stay healthy, I, I definitely believe he could bring a little something to the table. As Adam Hill pointed out, he's a big guy. He's got a strong arm. Uh, he looked every bit the part, but again, it's May. 
It's May 26th, so I will never overreact to what I see. May 26th, June 26th. I mean, I just won't. It's just it's silly. You know, it's crazy to do that. But, uh, you know, we can see what we see, come back and talk about it. And, you know, I think Jarrett Stidham has a role on this team. We'll just have to see what that role is. Yeah, you mentioned that Jared Stidham about how he's already known the system. And when people say, they go, oh, why are they bringing in Kaepernick? You know, maybe he could be that, that backup quarterback. But I think that Stidham, his role is almost like a player coach role yeah. where it's, hey, hey, he can teach you. So maybe that – I'm not saying they, they don't think that he'll ever play, but maybe he could be locked in in that third-string role and they do bring in someone that has a little bit more talent or that's a little bit more established to be that backup because Stidham's role is, hey, if we need you, we'll use you. But you're more like that player coach, so everyone can get acclimated a little bit easier in the QB room. I can totally see that. You know, and I've said this multiple times. I talked about it on the podcast last night. And as I mentioned, I'm not going to bring up uh, Cap a whole lot because right now there's nothing to to what's going on with him or, or him even working out with the Raiders. I mean, from every indication, it seems like things went well. But until he signed, there's not a whole lot to, to say about him. But, but, you know, as I mentioned on the podcast today, if they were to sign him, I believe he's the, immediately the best backup that they have. And, and, and people always say, well, how can you say that? He hasn't played in so long. Again, if they choose to sign him, obviously they see something and they feel uh, uh, feel good enough to make that signing. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. It's not based off of, well, he hasn't played in so, so long. How is he going to – no, it's not, that's not my judgment. That's not up to me to make the, you know, make the call on that. If this regime – Josh McDaniels, who's the head coach, says this guy is going to provide something for this team – then I'm, uh, I have no choice but to roll with it. I just think that he would be the best backup that the team currently has if they were to sign him and everything checked out as far as health, as far as the interview. That's also important. You know, they're going to sit, sit down with him, and apparently, according to Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, they sat down five or six hours yesterday with him. So, obviously, they spent some time with him. If they heard what they liked then and they're comfortable with it, then who am I to say that, oh, no, he's going to be too big of a distraction? If there's one thing I learned about this Raider team from 2021, they deal with distractions pretty well. They do a pretty good job of dealing with distractions. So I, that's, not, that's not something that I'm, you know, I, I'm concerned about. Yep. If, this, if, if this new regime – I'm sorry, DeMond, if this new regime feels like, hey, he checks all the boxes, we're good with it, then I'm good with it too. And, and my job is to sit back and watch and report what I see and talk about it and bring that. It's, it, I'm, it's not my job to judge – uh, what what they think this guy could potentially be. Yeah, but to bring it back, because I also think that Nick Mullins, he's got the better resume on paper. Yeah. But I think, obviously, you don't trade for a player just to release him. But I think he's still just going to have a spot on this team just being that helping hand, the person that can explain the, the jargon, that verbiage that they keep explaining to us that uh, it's going to be hard to grasp for some of these players. But I think that that's just going to be his role because I don't even see him, this is just my opinion, I don't see him being the second-string quarterback even if they keep the quarterback room the same as it is now. You think that you think I think that, that Nick Mullins beats him out for the job. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. If if nothing else happens with Cap or any other quarterback that could possibly go in there to be the backup, I think that that's exactly the pecking order. I think you're exactly right. Derek Carr, Nick Mullins, Jarrett Stidham. And as I mentioned, Jarrett Stidham just has the experience in McDaniel's system, and I think that just helps out the whole room. It doesn't just help out himself getting a leg up on guys. It helps out with the whole room. And one of the things that you heard Josh McDaniel says, say is, hey, he's very giving with his time. So that means he's spending time with Derek. He's spending time with Nick, you know, just try, trying to teach him the, or help him learn the terminology, what this means, what, they're, what Josh is looking for in certain, you know, certain instances. And I'm good with that. 
And who doesn't need that? Who wouldn't like to have that? So I think that uh, Stidham definitely plays a role uh, on this team. Again, as, as the months go by, as training camp and preseason goes by, the roles will be more defined. We'll, we'll start to learn and see what everyone's role is. But, yeah, I think you're spot on. If there is no uh, addition to the quarterback room, anybody, I'm not just talking about Cap, I'm talking about anybody, then, yeah, that's, that's the pecking order in my opinion as well. I think it's Carr, I think it's Mullins, and then it's Stidham and Chase Garbers, who's the undrafted free agent that they grabbed out of Cal. Maybe he's a practice squad guy. Maybe he's a camp arm. Who knows? But uh, th- those three guys are the guys that I see getting it done. 338 is the time. When we come back, Raider Nation want to hear from you as we close out the show at 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ash text line, 187, keyword RNR. What do you think the identity of the 2022 Raiders will be or should be? Holla at us, man. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. What does it mean to be a Raider? What to you, what does it mean to be a Raider? Man, being a Raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the just the jersey or just the just the helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a raider is all about. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Got a little bit over 15 minutes left in today's show. We'll pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor. He also was out at OTAs today. Very uh, hot OTA. Very heavily attended OTAs with media members. Sure, Vinny will have plenty to speak on when it comes to what he observed, what he heard, and how good it was just to be back out there and see some football activities. Kind of spoiled now. (laughs) I mean, and again, I know that we're not going to be out there and have as much access as we had, say, a year ago when I first got to Las Vegas. But just being out there, just knowing you have the ability to be out there, shoot a video of these guys stretching or whatever the case may be, whatever I, I, I took a video of, tweet it out and realize that I'm here covering this team that I grew up a, a massive fan of, and this is what I call my job. I mean, it's as, again, I... I don't ever want to take it for granted what we do on the daily. And, you know, it's really when you, you know, they say, and it's, I know it's an old cliche, but when you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. I mean, honestly, I think I grind a lot. I think I work a lot. I have a lot of long hours. But when it's what I'm doing, instead of being out on, I don't know, the 215, working on, uh, working on the road in 95-degree weather, come on, man. <laughs> you can't beat that at all. So fantastic day. Uh, being out at OTAs at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. But I've been asking the question, been throwing it out there, has some really good answers. Also had an answer of, hey, I don't, I don't believe in identity from Adam Hill. I like it. But what, what do you think you know, the Raiders' identity should be or, or is going to be this upcoming year? You know the weapons that they have. Uh, you know the defensive players that they have. You know there's still some concerns. You know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I look at the, the cornerback position. I think that that's an issue. I look at the offensive line. I think that there's some questions that still there. And, you know, even possibly the linebacking room. You know, I thought Denzel Perriman, he was, he was funny today. He didn't give us a whole lot when he talked to us, but he was funny, and he, he just basically broke it down like, hey, man, uh, I'm still trying to I'm, – I'm a little bit ahead of everybody, but at the same time, I'm, I'm trying to find a spot on the 53-man roster as well. You know, hey, right now we're all – we're all just competing and trying to make it to the 53-man roster. I think he was very open and honest about that. 
again, I don't think that there was a whole lot more that he gave us, but this this regime, this coaching staff, they're looking for guys that can go out there and execute and execute at a high level, and they don't care how long you've been in the league. They don't care if you were a guy that the team traded for. Uh, they don't care about your contract status, when you were drafted, none of that. They care about getting the job done. So he really said that, like, hey, I'm just trying to make the 53-man roster? Yeah, he said, I'm just like everyone else. I'm, ch- I'm here trying to make the 53-man roster. You know, and, and I mean, ask Vinny about it because he, he did, like I said, he, he was funny, he was laughing, but at the same time he just said, hey, you know, this is new. Uh, you know, there's, there's things to learn. We're just getting started. Uh, yeah, I was a pro bowler. And, you know, I'm a veteran, and I taught the guys. Because I think the question was posed to him about teaching uh, the young guys. He said, I'm, you know, trying to teach them a little bit, but I'm also trying to make the 53-man roster. You know, and it wasn't quite the same as when Casey Hayward signed, signed with the team last season, and everyone said, well, is he going to mentor these guys? And John Gruden said, well, hey, he's here to win a roster spot. It's not, it wasn't quite that extreme, but it, it let it be known that, hey, man, everyone's got their work cut out for him. Competition at every position, which is okay. I'm absolutely fine with competition at every position. That's what it should be. And matter of fact, Josh McDaniels, he uh, he actually said that. He said that in his presser. He talked about the fact that if, you know, you go into something and something is given to you, it's not earned, that you, you know, you, you don't have to fight for it, you don't have to work very hard for it, you're probably not going to work at the high level that you're supposed to. So if you have competition behind you, then, yeah, you're going to work a little bit tougher, a little bit harder. That, that's how, that's, that should be how it is in every walk of life, and no matter what the job is. You know, I, I talk about it all the time. I used to talk about my young days in radio. When I first got started, I was a part-time dude. I was so hungry that you better not go on vacation. There's a reason why I ain't been on vacation in 10 years. That, that, that vac- <laughs> that, I mean, seriously, that vacation I went on, I mean, I look, normally, if I, I'll tell you this. If I wasn't married, I wouldn't have gone on that vacation. I wouldn't have. But the wife deserved for me to take her out because I'm always working. And so, you know, hey, she's a, she's a good trooper. She always, you know, has my back. So I said, okay, we'll go on vacation. But if it wasn't for her, I promise you I wouldn't have gone on vacation because in this business you don't. There's a hungry dude behind you normally 99% of the time that wants that, wants that spot, you know. And that's too comfortable, Q. Oh, no, I'm not comfortable <laughs> at all. You see how many jobs I have. <laughs> you see how many jobs I have, brother. Like I know JT does a lot of work, but I'd like to say that I probably compete with them. I think me and JT, we, we, we grind just about as hard as each other, man. You know what I'm saying? Like we're both – on the grind. I'll tell you right now, I got another radio show to do this evening. <laughs> it's following the Warrior game. I'm, I'm on ESPN radio tonight. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. You know, hey, if, if, if I get a text and something. I was on vacation, DeMond, and, and ESPN National was texting like, hey, uh, can you do this show? Can you do this show? And I was like, I'm definitely on vacation. I don't have any equipment with me. And I, oh, okay, got you. We'll let you get back to vacation. I bet but if I, there was a way for you to do it on your phone and you could have snuck away from the wife for two hours to do a show, you would have done it. Probably, probably. And at some point she probably would have said, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I know it's killing you not to do it, so go ahead and do it. I'm telling you, man, this is not a business. This radio business, and it's, it's just as competitive as sports, man. It's not a business where you just sit there and get comfortable and say, oh, I've been doing radio for a long time. I got my job. I'm good. No, angry dude. There's a, there's a Q. There's a Harry Ruiz. There's a Damon Cotton. You know, there's a there's a, all kind of guys that are hungry that that want want to have these spots. You you got to hold on tight, man. You got to put in the work. What did what did what did Lester Hayes say? You got to put in the work, <laughs> in the time, and perseverance. 
Oh, man. Got a text from uh, Slow Jam James. He said, what's up, Q? Welcome back. Slow Jam's James here. I think the identity there, trying to bring his fast and furious play, flexibility of position and accountability. He said it just like that, too. I didn't even have to hear his voice to know that's exactly how he said it. But I like it. Fast and furious play, flexibility of position, accountability. Flexibility of position is something to highlight. It really is. Because versatility has been something that Dave Ziegler's talked about since day one. They want guys that can play multiple positions. They talked about that on the offensive line. You know, we talked about, and Vinny uh, talked about Alex Leatherwood playing the right tackle position today. But they're all cross-training in all these different positions. They're cross-training, you know, at the guard position. Guards are cross-training at the tackle position. You know, I'm sure Dylan Parham at some point is going to be cross-training at the center position. Even though right now currently listed on the roster that they have that they gave us today, it's nice to have another roster in our hands, they have him listed as a guard. And that's fine. He's a, he's a guard only. Alex Leatherwood, guard tackle. Denzel Good, guard tackle. Jermaine Illuminor, guard tackle. So, I mean, you see that they're looking for versatility. That's facts. But Dave Ziegler did say after the draft that they do cross-train all the interior linemen. Yep. So that part of OTAs, maybe they're just saving it a little bit, don't want to throw too much at them all at once. Right, exactly. Uh, I'm not mad at that at all. Just Win Wendy hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Can't remember what players had to put the jar around 99, but I remember it. Gannon was hard on his teammates. When they lost a game, reportedly said they weren't studying enough before games, et cetera. That's from Just Win Wendy. So, yeah, it's so funny. I don't remember what it was either that they did that they got fined for, but there was a, there was a tip jar that they had, to, they had to put money in when they did this. I want to say it was offsides. It was either – but it could have been false start too. It was one of those stupid penalties that – just makes you want to hit your hand in your, you know, your head in your hand when you see someone do it because you know it's a penalty that's not, not something that you have to do. It's, it's just, it's just a lack of discipline. But that was around ninety nine. Uh, Sir Whiskey Ray hit us up on the Salmon Ash text on Q. It's great to have you back. Big thanks to Demond for holding it down while you were away. Hope you had a fantastic vacation in Hawaii. Our identity for the upcoming season will be a blue collar mentality. I believe our new head coach will lay the foundation that all three sides of the ball, offense, defense, and special teams, will be crucial in order to be successful in 2022. I like what our new regime is already doing. It just feels it feels like the greatness that is waiting for our Raiders. Just like everyone else, I can't wait for the upcoming season. Again, that's from Sir Whiskey Ray. I'm okay with that too. You know, the blue-collar mentality, that's cool. You know, that's, that's nothing wrong with that because you know that that's all about putting your nose down and grinding. That's what that's all about. That's, you know, that's – the Raiders were built on that, so I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I like that. Uh, I, I just think that going back to what the mailman Raiders said early in the show about that high IQ, I think that, I think that, that there's a lot to, to be said about that. I think the understanding the situation, understanding you know, the down and distance, you know, just, just being smart about what you do. Yes, uh, you've got to be strong. You've got to be fast. You've got to be versatile. I get all that. But you also have to be smart about the situation. How many times do you hear someone say, that's just a dumb penalty, or that was just a dumb play? That, was, that didn't make any sense given this situation. Like, even from the quarterback position, you know, Derek Carr deciding to throw something away on, on a certain down or, you know, whatever. And I'm not picking out any particular play. I'm just saying, you know, that there's, there's times where you look and say, that wasn't smart. Let's go back to the playoff game. Let's go back to the playoff game. I will pick on a, a particular play. Remember when Derek Carr clocked it? Remember he clocked the ball on, uh, when they were driving, trying to get into the end zone to tie the game up at the end of the, the, the Bengals game, the, the, the playoff game? He clocked it instead of, instead of just going and taking another shot into the end zone. He, he wasted it down by, by clocking it. And I don't know if that was the bench that told him to do it. I don't know if that was the coaching staff that told him to do it. But he did it. 
And so now instead of having four downs to get into the end zone, you only have three. That, in my opinion, is, I don't want to say dumb, but it's not, it's not a smart play. That's going back to that high football IQ. You've got to be able to be smarter than that. And that comes from the sidelines and the players. The sidelines got to be able to be calm and cool and collective. What they always say about Tom Flores, remember he never got too worked up, always stayed even keel. And it's so funny, uh, you know, Matt Rule, uh, when he was at Baylor, he always said that he, he tries not to get fired up on the sideline because when he gets fired up on the sideline, he makes bad decisions. He makes dumb decisions. Like he'll just get fired up and he, and he won't have time to, to process something, and so he'll make a call and then realize that that was a dumb decision. Sometimes you can get a dumb decision call from the sidelines because everything's moving so fast and, and nobody has the time to, to be calm, cool, relax, and say, okay, we're in a position to get in the end zone right now. What do we need to do? Oh, okay, we got four downs to get it done. Let's go fire to our big guy. Let's go to Darren Waller. Let's try to get Hunter Renfro you know, one-on-one with somebody instead of on fourth down having to throw it short to Zay Jones. And we all know what happened after that. That goes back to the IQ. And, again, not trying to single out Derek Carr. That was just one of the big plays that stood out in my memory. One last text before we wrap up the show. Raider Allen, Alaska, you're my guy, DeMond, but the identity of the team is real, just like momentum. As good as I expect Chandler and Max and the D as a whole will be under Graham, I think the identity of your team will be the never let off the gas. Ground and pound, let it sling, unpredictable, effective, and efficient offense. So that is from Raider Al in Alaska. And, uh, yeah, he believes it's going to be as real as momentum, something that DeMond only believes in some of the time. So <laughs> good stuff. Thank you so much for that. Vinny Bonsignor is up next, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. He's got plenty of takeaways from OTAs, and we'll be back tomorrow to close out things strong. It's how we do. It's Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.